Welcome back to another episode of the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and today we are with Mike Moore, known to many as Mindset Mike. Mike is a former Division I wrestler who spent seven years in the FBI as a certified crisis negotiator turned mindset coach to many top athletes, teams, and UFC fighters. He's featured as a top 100 coach in various schools, clubs, and universities, and he is the head wrestling coach at W4R Training Center in Houston, Texas. Mike has coached 80 state placers, 40-plus All-Americans, and nine national champions since 2013. Winning Mindset is a sports-specific mindset training system, and in 2019, Mike's company, Winning Mindset, worked with over 3,600 athletes from youth through the NCAA. Today, Mike coaches with over 30 teams, ranging from NCAA teams to Olympic teams. It is an honor and a privilege to introduce you to Mike Moore. Mike, thanks for being with us today. Happy to be here. Thankful for the opportunity. So you're from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. You got started uh, in a career with the FBI after graduating college as a Division One wrestler. You're an accomplished guy. You work with athletes today, but that's not where you started. So take us back to the beginning of your journey, you know, maybe working with um, the FBI. How'd you get into that work? And then ultimately, how did that work take you to working with athletes? I grew up in New York. And one of the most, there's two events that I would say really inspired me to pursue a career in federal law enforcement. One was uh, funny enough in our statistics class, my teacher was a lot more about uh, life than he was just about math. And he had us doing a career aptitude test. During this career aptitude research project, I started figuring out you know, the things that I'm good at, in addition to, oh, these are careers that maybe I'd like to pursue. Well, in the middle of doing that, besides that all of my results were pushing me towards a law enforcement uh, investigative type of career, I would say uh, when 9-11 happened, that was a very motivating experience for me as a New Yorker to want to pursue a career in federal law enforcement. So a combination of those two things led me to my desire to commit to that path. And that path you know, it's, it's a very long-term process. So a junior, my junior year in high school, that's what led me to go there. And every decision that I made from my junior year of high school until six months out of college, when I walked into the Bureau, uh, every decision that I made went in regards to pursuing that, that career. So you're on this path in uh, working in the FBI, things are going well, you're having success. You all of a sudden make this pivot toward mm-hmm. working with athletes and business professionals, mm-hmm. specifically on this topic of mindset. Explain that shift and that pivot for sure. us. If you in my career, I did a lot of really cool things. You know, like you mentioned, I was a, a crisis negotiator, a certified crisis negotiator. So the crisis negotiation was what's called an auxiliary duty. My primary duty for the first three and a half years was national security surveillance. So following around bad guys so that they never know that we're following them to gather intel, et cetera, et cetera. In that process, I moved from Washington, D.C. to Houston. When I moved to Houston, I opened up a wrestling academy. Wrestling was the sport that built me. I wanted to give back. I saw a need. Well, in the midst of doing that, I had a really good group of wrestlers, and 13 of them made the state finals in one year. And nine of them should have won, but only five of them did. About whatever that was, about four of them just not compete to their potential. I'm scratching my head thinking to myself, you know, with all the background that I have and high-level wrestling and, you know, the ability to manage pressure, emotion, and psychology was something that I felt like was a very strong suit for me. I couldn't 
impart that onto those handful of kids. They knew what they needed to do, but they didn't execute. Why? So I actually sought out resources for my wrestlers. And that's when Winning Mindset was in its infancy. And I actually used them as a client years ago. And I saw such drastic results that that grew from, hey, you really understand what we're doing. Do you want us to train you in the system? Then I started coaching for them. I really liked it. I was really good at it. And the company continued to grow, grow, grow. We had some crazy exponential results. And then ultimately in 2016, I decided to leave the bureau to do this full time. I felt like I left my dream job for my passion. But, you know, that's what ultimately led me to led me to that was the need for my own wrestlers. And then realizing that sports, business and life, the biggest gap is between knowing what to do and actually execution. And the gap comes from what you focus on. So being able to teach that into athletes, businesses, teams, and entrepreneurs, I feel like that's the single greatest asset or detriment to any individual in any part of life is what's right here. And understanding not just knowing what to do, how to execute it, being resilient, you know, being able to thrive in those difficult moments. So you and I share a couple of things in common, and that is we both care about mindset and we work with business professionals and athletes on the topic of mindset. Mm -hmm. When you start working with an athlete, we're going to talk about business professionals here in just a second, but when you get a Mm -hmm. talented athlete, somebody who's got all the ability, all the natural giftedness, and we need to close that gap between what they do and what they think about, how do you begin closing that gap? Where do you start? So I think the first thing is just with in any sort of coaching environment, you have some sort of subjective evaluation. So figure out where they're weak, where they're strong, and then you can identify those areas. I mean, a lot of businesses use things like a SWOT analysis, right? And, you know, we have in our company a very systematic approach to evaluating athletes based on what uh, athletes and businesses based on what we call uh, the mental muscles. So we're talking about things like self-mastery, confidence, um, relaxing under pressure, motivation, goal setting, things like that. Figure out where they're weak. Let's make sure that those become non-issues, if anything, become strengths. Figure out where they're strong, make those strengths freaky. So a simple evaluation will help, will reveal a lot of that. And then the way that we progress through our curriculum is determined by the results of those evaluations. So if anyone wants to get started on any sort of self-improvement, it's always easy to go where you're comfortable, but it's much more productive to go with the places where you need the most work. You know, one of the things we often talk about is environment, right? That so much of what you think about has to do with the people, places, and things that habitually show up in your life. I think Ed Milet was famous for saying, your mental game is driven by your environmental game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Craig Rochelle famously said, you know, what comes into your mind comes out in your life. Can 100%. you speak to, in your opinion, how environment and surroundings drive the mental game, Mike? Absolutely. So you're a product of the people that are around you, right? The cliche quote is you take the five people that you're closest to and you're an average of those people. So I would imagine yourself similar to myself. You don't hang around with a bunch of bums. Um, Probably don't know many bums. You heard of bums, but you don't know many people that are not high performers. That doesn't mean they have to be rich. That doesn't mean that they have to be CEOs of a successful company. They're just high performers in whatever it is that they do. They could be one of the best plumbers in the area. They could be one of the best, you know, doctors in, 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 in what they do. But I would say people often default to two things. 
I would say your environment and whatever your training and preparation is. If you're not in an ideal environment for growth, gratitude, or gains, you're not going to get those three things. And if you're trying to be a high performer, but you're in a environment where that does not thrive or those people don't exist, you can't accept, you expect yourself to rise above that situation. Now, that, that doesn't mean that you can't be the highest performer, but you don't want to be the brightest, the brightest bulb in a, in a dull patch. So putting yourself into an environment that pushes you, challenges you, uh, encourages you to do things that make you uncomfortable, to do that, you have to be around people, places, and things that live outside of their comfort zones, that do things that the average people don't. Well, as I've listened to you speak and address athletes and business professionals, you've talked a lot about this topic of gratitude and how gratitude alters Mm-hmm. the state of our, our thinking and ultimately mm-hmm. our mindset. Um, mm-hmm. Could you speak to how you incorporate gratitude in your work? A lot of people talk about gratitude, but they don't teach or practice gratitude. A lot of people talk about mindset, but they don't teach or practice mindset. What do we do oftentimes with gratitude and mindset? We read books about it. We listen to podcasts about it um, and we watch videos about it, but we don't actually do things to practice, build and teach it. So when I talk about gratitude, being thankful for something is the core, like foundational element. It's like a requirement. It's the concrete to your house. Gratitude is the most important thing to build on, but being thankful is the absolute basic minimum that gratitude comes with. In my opinion, from studying a lot of the best performers in sport and industry, gratitude is more so about being opportunistic. I call it being opportunity oriented. So you see everything as an opportunity. When something's an opportunity, you make the most of opportunities. You're excited for it. You're not nervous as to what's going to happen. You're just excited that you get the opportunity to do X, Y, and Z. You're willing to sacrifice a little bit more for an opportunity. You're willing to dig a little bit deeper when things get difficult instead of just giving up. And, you know, part of that comes down to you treat something as you treat everything in life as an opportunity, not an obligation, right? And in addition, people that practice gratitude on a regular basis, and I'll get into that in a second, they're also, in my opinion, they're not just um, tough people that can deal with adversity, right? They're anti-fragile people that see adversity as an advantage, So I'm thankful for the opportunity to thrive, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to struggle because if I struggle and I overcome it, I probably deposited twice in my emotional energy bank account, not just once because I made it through. So the other thing that I'll say about gratitude, just like mindset, you can't just talk about it, right? Um, And that goes for teaching and for practicing. You have to do something. So people talk about, well, write down what you're thankful for and, you know, have, uh, you know, uh, um, do nice things for other people. While it's a great start, just like anything else, if you casually practice anything, you're not going to get measurably better, right? If you casually looked at your finances, you're not, gonna, you're not going to intentionally gain wealth. If you casually practice skills in your sport, you're not going to measurably get better. So with gratitude, you have to be a little bit more tactical with it. So I, I tell people very simple advice. Start your day, end your day, and have something in the middle of your day that involves practicing actual gratitude. So I say, start your day with, listen, you can either take a walk, put your phone down and think about all the things you're excited about that day. If you don't like, if you don't like the idea of a gratitude walk, then just write down a handful of things you're pumped about that day. Gratitude also is directly related to dopamine. 
So the more dopamine you have in your system, um, the happier you are, the more productive you are, the more easier, the easier that it is to deal with adversity, right? Then I tell people during the middle of your day, do something nice or say something nice to somebody, preferably not someone you see every single day. Just make somebody's day. By making somebody's day, selfishly, you will feel better. It's another shot of dopamine. Then at the end of the day, write down the things that you're most grateful for in that day. Again, another shot of dopamine. I think of dopamine like a, think of the, your storage of dopamine in your brain, similar to a pot that is boiling. And I want that pot to be always on a constant, I'm almost going to boil over, right? Like when we're boiling pasta and it gets to that top of the pasta, it gets to the top of the pot. I want your pot to be almost boiling over and then sometimes really boil over. So I'll, I'll give a shout out to my girlfriend for a second. And she's a multiple time world medalist in, in, in Taekwondo. And, uh, She's someone that I believe is a very high performer in a lot of the things that she does. I mention her because throughout the whole courtship process and falling in love with her, I found myself, my gratitude pot was already so high, understanding how my, the hormones in my brain and the way it makes my body feel and pr practicing gratitude on a regular basis, having her around made that gratitude pot like overflow, where I had this overabundance feeling of you know, positive, productive emotions. So if you could take all of that and, and summarize it into a quick, short thing, it's practice gratitude by doing things to be more grateful. Don't talk about it. Teach gratitude to other people by being more grateful yourself. Uh, three is learn to weaponize dopamine and make that hormone driving, the driving force for you instead of having to deal with cortisol because it's a constant balance between those two. The more dopamine I have, the less cortisol I have, right? And when you do have those feelings of overabundance of positive emotions, don't think of it as happy positive. Think of it as happy productive. You are the most productive when you're in a good mood. You want to be in a good mood? Doesn't mean you play video games and watch movies all day. It means you do things that elicit a, a positive, productive dopamine response. I love what you said, that gratitude is really an action. It's not just a thought. It's not something we think about. It's an action. Mm -hmm. And we tell our athlete clients that all the time, right, is we have to take reps in the same way that you take field reps or you take reps in a weight room. You got to take mental reps, right? You have 100%. to actionably live that out and walk it out for that to become real and effective in your life. And so I love what you just said there about taking action around gratitude. I want to make sure everybody caught that. Uh, Mike, when you think about the differences and similarities between working with athletes and business people, I'd love to hear where your mind goes, because obviously those two worlds are very similar, but different. And so you started working with athletes. Now you're working with a lot of sales professionals. Tell us about how you see mindset show up and some of the transferable teaching that goes between those two worlds. For sure. So I would say people in sales are probably, if they're successful, they're likely former athletes. You would see the things, the life lessons that we learned in athletics are very translatable and transferable and present in people that are successful in a business like sales, right? And that includes, you know, real estate professionals. You're selling yourself and you're selling your service, right? You're not just always selling a product when you think of sales. You're also selling yourself. What does that take? Confidence, being able to deal with rejection, um, self-mastery and knowing what you're best at and what you're not and being able to play to your strengths. But like athletics, there's plenty of people that are not athletic that can learn the skills 
and through work ethic can be a good athlete. So similarly, let's take someone in the sales profession or let's take someone in business in general. Maybe you don't have the typical, the typical acumen and personality that would make someone successful in, in that particular business, but you can learn those skills to become successful paired with the right work ethic and the right focus. So I say that to say, I would approach a sales team very similarly that I would approach any athletic uh, team. For us, the curriculum is, is very similar too. The difference is making it sales specific or industry specific versus making it sports specific because the mental skills are the same. Confidence, relaxing under pressure, motivation, um, and not just, not just relying on motivation, but the commitment from proper goal setting, along with intrinsic motivation, not just external motivation, which is very casual and coming whenever you feel like it, right? Being aggressive. The most successful real estate professionals I know are super aggressive. And I don't mean aggressive in your face. They're aggressive with the way that they approach leads, the way that they approach uh, learning opportunities, the way that they're constantly booking themselves. Uh, Gary Vee says, I'd rather juggle 46 balls and let nine fall then just focus on my energy on one. The most successful real estate and business people have a lot of things going on and they learn to thrive in that fire. So similarly, I say, if you wanna be successful in business, particularly sales, the approach is, is pretty much almost identical. The outcome is just related to customer service, wealth, business development, not wins, athletic legacy and team performance. I, I think it's easy to talk about mindset when things are going well and we're mm -hmm. winning, whether you're a sales professional, you're an athlete, you're a business owner, it's easy to lean into mindset. I think sometimes, Mike, where our work becomes uh, harder for people to think about or talk about is actually where they need it the most. 100%. Which is when they're in a valley, they're in a rut, maybe there's been a, a, a loss or a failure. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden our work becomes most relevant but oftentimes people are less willing to receive it. How are you working with athletes and business professionals today on using failure as momentum and helping people to get out of a rut? Tell me about that work. So let's make mindset, let's put mindset and gratitude together. I try to teach our clients to be thankful for the opportunities they get to struggle, right? If you do the right things on a daily basis, you'll likely struggle less. But when you do struggle, right, you're, you're immediately focused on, how does this serve me? What am I going to learn? And how could this have been worse? Like I'm thankful for the, that, that it was only this and not that. Right. But at the same sense, you understand that like, well, you're not going to die. Okay. Likely. Right. You, there's always situations obviously with health where, where that could be different. I'm most likely not going to die. And this is just going to be really challenging. I've been through challenging things before and focus on what this is going to teach me and how this is going to serve me, not how much this sucks and how uncomfortable and uh, not convenient this is. I mean, that summarizes COVID in a nutshell. COVID just revealed what everybody was already. The hustlers found a way to hustle. They either hustled harder or hustled smarter. The average people just skated by, maybe even dipped a little bit. And the lazy people or the lazy businesses, the people that didn't take care of themselves, well, they suffered, right? So, you know, when people go through those difficult times, I say, 
open, have an open posture of gratitude. And cause that's, you're, you're fueling your approach with dopamine, which is productive and you're happy and like, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but like, I'm going to make it through it and I'm going to learn from it and probably gain more versus approaching it with stress. And obviously that cortisol response, which is going to have a tumbling effect and crumble everything else that's around you. Take it. People often think that like positive people have negative thoughts all the time. <laughs> Right. It's, it's, it's almost like they take negativity as like, Ooh, no, like you're not supposed to be here. If I'm a high performer, I'm not supposed to have these thoughts. You're supposed to have these thoughts. You're a sociopath. If you don't, you're a sociopath. If you don't get frustrated at these things, the difference is how you respond to it. So again, back to the anti-fragile concept, tough people, they weak people, adversity crushes them. Tough people, they make it through kind of inefficiently. Um, you know, those are people that imagine a soldier, they get ambushed and they just like, okay, point A to B, I'm just going to run straight through the line of fire. And hopefully I don't get hit too many times by too many bullets, right? Anti-fragile people, they welcome adversity. They see it as an advantage. They inhale that, they inhale that difficulty. Um, well, I would say they exhale the adversity and they inhale strength. Right. So kind of I, I use this example, inhale confidence, exhale doubt. They they inhale strength and exhale adversity. The best the best way that I relate it to is if you've ever seen the movie Batman versus Superman in the movie Batman versus Superman, there is a what was it? A, um, a villain. And this villain was called Doomsday from the from the comics. They were throwing bullets and bombs and all of these weapons at Doomsday, this big rock figure that's destroying the city. Well, every time it was hit with a bullet, bomb, missile, whatever. It got bigger, it got stronger. And that's what adversity needs to do with us. You can absorb the blows if you're not afraid of them, lean into them a little bit, appreciate them, and then focus on how you're going to make it through. And in the process, when you are frustrated, what's this gonna teach me? Why is this for me? And why am I glad that it was this and not that? Well, I think it is true, man, that uh, adversity reveals character. You touched on that. And it's also true that we either win or we learn. For sure. And um, no question, we grow through failure, uh, but it's a choice to fail forward. And I appreciate what you just highlighted about the questions we should ask and our posture um, during difficult times. Um, Mike, most of our uh, listeners are receiving this in audio form, but as I'm talking to you here and I see your office space, uh, you've got a poster of Tom mm -hmm. and Terry Brands and mm -hmm. Carver Hawkeye Arena. I know you're an East Coast guy and I moved to Texas, so no real connection to Iowa other than you're a wrestling guy. But, you know, Tom and Terry, I know are guys that you've learned from, that you've respected. Um, what makes guys like Tom and Terry Brands great? For sure. So the poster that you see up there, it says, and I'm going to turn around, it says, train like a madman. To work hard is what is expected. To train like a madman is to exceed all limitations. So what, what I take from that is people would look at the best in the world, you know, whether it's sports or business, they're probably fanatical people. They're fanatical about self-improvement. They're fanatical about the craft. And in the sport of wrestling, these guys were two of, next to their coach, Dan Gable, three of the most fanatical people to ever come through the sport of wrestling. And when I say fanatical, wake up early, do things nobody wants to do, go to bed late, doing the things that nobody wants to do, living the right lifestyle on and off the mat. 
in basketball, you think of that like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, particularly the stories of Kobe Bryant talking about how, you know, when he would come in at four o'clock in the morning when it was dark out and just shoot free throws or shoot or shoot from a particular spot that he missed the game before thousands of reps coming in, doing things well above and beyond, even though he was one of the best guys in the game, he stayed that way because of his fanatical approach. People would relate fanatical to crazy and obsessive. And while I don't disagree, I would say fanatical is more so a productive approach to being obsessed with self-improvement, not a unproductive or unhealthy approach that's connected to winning or losing. It's when you take the bests, it wasn't about the wins and the losses. It was about constantly trying to get better at what they were doing in their craft. Again, they're a great example. And, you know, people might think they're a little crazy. They work so hard. Iowa has always been a super tough team. Well, let me tell you, they kind of, you know, Penn State won eight out of nine years in a row. Iowa kind of took the, the hold this last year. And it became, it was because not only are they fanatical, they've become fanatical people that are also adaptable. Their culture has changed from just being about toughness to being about becoming addicted to your own growth. It's not just about, you know, being these super tough guys that do crazy hard things. They do those things, but you could tell the culture has also been molded with a lot more gratitude, a lot more fun. And they're not only just crazy, they're crazy, but happy to be there, loving each other, loving what they're doing. Be fanatical if you want to be successful in anything that you do. Um, Mike, I, I'm just thankful we were able to spend some time together today. Uh, I've been a fan of yours from afar for a while. And so much of the work that we do is, is similar. And so, uh, man, I just want to let you know that I'm learning from you. Um, I've taken notes as we've been talking, but I've also been learning from you from afar. And I'm going to continue to follow your journey. If our listeners wanted to follow your journey, where can they find you today, Mike? What's the easiest way to find you? For sure. I would say, you know, you can, you're, you're more than welcome to send me a personal message. I have no problem giving out my phone number. Um, I will, I will tag that at the end. I would say uh, I, I do have a profile on LinkedIn. I am less active on LinkedIn as I am on some other forms of social media. You could probably find me very engaged on Instagram and uh, Facebook. You could either search for Mindset Mike or Mike Moore, my name. Um, you'll find a good looking guy that looks just like me. Just kidding. So um, you could also send me an email and uh, that is uh, Mike at wrestlingmindset.com. You can send me a text message. Uh, that's the easiest form of communication these days, right? Uh, my phone number is 516-510-4684. Those are the best ways to get in touch with me. I am on LinkedIn. You can find me there. I do connect often with a lot of people and I look forward to continuing to grow the relationships that uh, come from our episode today. I, I, like you, fan of yours, I've been learning from afar the things that your company puts out and how you guys do work. And I always appreciate, you know, high performers in general, but people that are in the same space, you know, we're all, we're all helping other people win. And I feel like that's the absolute most rewarding profession. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and we want to give our sincere thanks again to Mike Moore for his valuable time and insights into the world of sports performance and controlling your mental game. We also want to give a special shout out to our producer, John Choate of Storyline Multimedia that makes these episodes go. We hope that you will follow, like, and subscribe 
to our podcast so that we can move our mission forward of impacting more people, one individual at a time. Thanks again for being with us. Be well.